This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome back. I hope you had a a fine weekend and uh, we are one week closer to deer season. Depending on where you are in the country, that could mean September, that could mean October. But either way, we're getting closer with every day. I hope you are getting caught up on your prep and you don't have a podcast and you're behind on your uh, personal stand prep, but uh, in the event you are, the good thing is you can download our episodes if you subscribe and you can take them into the woods with you as you trim shooting lanes, so there's there's no excuse for you, for you not to get both done. Before we get going, I just want to give a, a brief shout out to our partner from the very beginning, Wild Edge Incorporated. He has been a, a wonderful sponsor and we are just so blessed to have his support in this endeavor that we have and uh we would be much appreciative if you'd go to his website and his instagram and give him a check uh check him out you can find him at www.wildedgeinc that's wildedgeinc.com see what he's got to offer if you got any questions he's a really nice guy he's got a big red beard but he and, but he's not he's not mean he doesn't bite he's really nice he'll get back with you qu- uh quickly but in the event you don't feel comfortable reaching out to the owner of a company shoot me a message on instagram or facebook and i'll tell you everything that that you need to know about it and if i don't know the answer to your question i happen to know the fellow that can get you the answer so we are very happy to have his support but uh today we're going to do something kind of different i've been saying that a lot lately and i'm and i'm liking it there's going to be a diversity to what we're putting out and i think you're really going to appreciate it uh at least i hope you do um on the phone, I've got a guest that we had on here once prior. His name is Chase Prince. How you doing, buddy? I'm doing great, man. How's the uh, eighth wonder of the world, Walter Lee's beard? Man, that thing's impressive. <laughs> it's uh, at its longest point, it's now four and a half inches long. Man, I mean, I you got a strong beard game. I'll give you that. <laughs> well, thank you. I, I've been, I grew it out with the intent of growing it until my supervisor said cut it. And then the other day, she came and said, so... This is my director of my accounting department. I'm an accountant guy, so a beard is kind of hard to have. And she says, so how long are we going to grow that thing out for? And I said, I don't know. What are you thinking? She goes, well, I love the Duck Dynasty beards. I think you should keep growing it out. And and for a minute, that kind of robbed the joy from me because I was hoping she'd be like, shave it. And I could be like, bam, that was the moment that, uh, <laughs> you know, 
uh, that was the moment that I, I finally reached the point of the tipping point and I need to, uh, to shave it. But instead now I get to keep growing it out and that's kind of cool. So I, I appreciate the uh, kind words. Yeah, man. That, but, I mean, that's coming from a man that it take me 10 years to grow a beard like that. So we'll get started Take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> Unfortunately, in my <laughs> profession, you're not allowed to have a beard. Oh, that'd be kind of counterproductive, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, <That's>, exactly. That... <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, we are going to talk about something that many people have thought about doing. A uh, few people, I think, unfortunately, have taken the uh, resources and time to go and do it. But y- you're doing this, and I'm, I'm learning from you, and I'm studying from you, and a lot of other folks. And uh, that is, you're going to be chasing whitetails outside of your own state. What we're going to do with this series is we're going to have a two-part series to this. We're going to first talk uh, about the preparation that went into that, what he what he decided he was going to do, how he decided it, how he prepared. And what we're going to do is after he's up there and after he's wrapped his tag around a, a Boone and Crockett buck, we are going to tell you the story behind that. And that gives you both aspects. And, and I, I was talking to somebody who uh, sent us a message. He's a follower of the show. He wanted a little more detail. And I try and keep these podcasts kind of short, 45 to 50 minutes. That way, you know, you get just enough of me, but my, my squeaky uh, banjo voice doesn't annoy you. So we're going to break this up. We're going to make it a fun story that uh, uh, spans several months. And um, I think with that, Chase, let's, uh, let's start. All right. You ready? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Uh, I mean, I appreciate you having me on. I don't know that I'm an expert by any means, but uh, I'll give you whatever whatever little knowledge or golden nugget I might have. So, let's, I guess, hey, I have actually, I've been out of state hunting before. Um, it was actually through, it was with my father-in-law. He actually, um, for Christmas one year, for Christmas one year, he... Uh, he decided that he wanted to go to an outfitter, and he decided that he was going to bring me along. This was about mm, seven years ago. It was to an outfitter in Illinois. Um, it was the first time that I had been out of the state of Florida hunting. Um, it was a little different because, um, like I said, it was through an outfitter. Um, we didn't really have any like prior connections with this outfitter. Um, it was just kind of he saw him on the Internet was willing to give him a try um we hunted for a week um pretty hard it was during the rut um it was probably it was probably more about the time that they call lockdown sometimes but uh, the weather was actually cold it wasn't one of those years where it was hot it was it was probably high 35 every day um starting out in the 20s uh, in the morning it was about somewhere around november 11th is when we started um, it was kind of a slow week, really, um, at the Outfitter. But, I mean, they had been having people come through. They had had some people that had killed some decent deer um, prior to us being there. I did have some encounters. I actually drew back on a deer. Um, it was a 10-point. But it was one of them deals where hunting in Florida, when you're 20 feet up in a tree, you're 20 feet up in a tree. When you're in Illinois, you can be in a bottom 20 feet up in a tree, and you could be eye level with a deer 20 yards away. So I, not not knowing that, this deer came in and I saw him, and then he saw me draw back because he was eye level with me, <laughs> and his vitals were behind a tree, trying to be, 
I was like, well, if he takes one more step, I got a mm-hmm. shot. That's all I need is one more step. Well, his one more step was away from me, behind, and he used the tree as a shield <laughs> all the way, so I just had to watch him uh, walk away. I did. I mean, I had some encounters while I was there, um, nothing crazy. Um, it was kind of one of those deals where they would put you in a stand and want you to sit there all day, but there was no like, oh, well, we're playing the wind or anything like that. Um, so I really didn't enjoy, I mean, it was fun going and I don't knock anybody using an outfitter because if you've only got one week to hunt for the season, then I would probably recommend using an outfitter, (laughs) um, because they're doing all the work for you. They're going out, putting trail cams out. Um, that's, that's their job. Um, so now seven years later, um, I have been wanting to get back out to the Midwest, but of course I've had two kids (laughs) since then. So it was a little hard. Uh, to be able to get out there and now that they're a little bit older um one of my a good friend of mine had a connection in kansas so he's wanting to go out to kansas so we both had to this year which is something new we had to actually put in for uh tags to get drawn for kansas so we we did have a place to hunt he talked to his connection out there and he said hey you guys come on to uh kansas if you uh draw your tags so of course we had to go through an application process which when you're deciding where you want to hunt you need to look at the states that you're thinking about hunting because states are different like when we applied for a kansas tag that was in april but there's places out west that you have to apply in january um to get tags so those are these are some of the things that you need to think of right is Maybe before you want to go a year before you go out there, before you're thinking about going somewhere, you need to kind of look to say, hey, when do I need to apply? But some states you can buy over the counter tags, and then other states you have to apply and get drawn. And some of those states take years, like take Iowa, for example. Um, pretty much now, I've heard the standard is you have it takes you at least three years of buying preference points and you get drawn on your fourth year. So these are all things that you want to keep in mind um, as you're thinking about where you want to hunt. But we knew we were going to hunt because that's where we had access this year. (laughs) So the cost of the license, once you had private land access, was no longer a factor for you. Right. Um, Once once we got the green light that, hey, we had several different farms we could hunt because it's going to be actually in two different counties. And we had to apply for different zones uh, in Kansas. Um, it was, hey, let's see what a tag cost. The cost of a tag, I believe, in Kansas this year was a little over $400. Gee, wow. Yeah, yeah. That's a, <laughs> I think that's kind of standard for, like, if you're talking about the big buck states like Iowa, Kansas, um, Illinois, some of those states, that that's, wow. <laughs> that's, that's what it costs for a tag for that's out of state. almost an elk tag in Colorado. Yeah. Yeah, you're yeah, right. gum, man. That really—that's some sticker shock if I've ever had sticker shock. I mean, I've—I've I've looked at Ohio and Missouri and places like that, Nebraska, and they were all two hundred or sub. Man, you said four hundred dollars, and that—and then you bought—and then you bought a preference point to ensure you got drawn, right? No, I didn't have to buy. I had not bought a preference point. I've been buying my preference points for Iowa for the last several years, and that's fifty dollars a pop, <laughs> and right. you don't get that back. Um, but for here, it was—we knew we had a good shot of getting drawn for this tag so 
Um, we looked up the numbers, and over the last several years, uh, first-round guys in our area got drawn over the last several years. So we weren't too worried about that. Okay. Well, that works out well. Yeah. So, but yeah, I mean, $400, yeah, that's, that's quite a bit of money, um, obviously. Um, but, the, I mean, the good part about it was is we knew we had a place to hunt. What, like we were going to have to search public land or go try to knock on doors or try to make connections. We, we already had the connection. And then the cost of the, and we got it. Once we get out there, we got to pay for a license as well, which I believe is another hundred dollars. So you're looking at 500 bucks to, to hunt a whitetail in Kansas for the bow season. Cause we applied for bow season. You don't, it's not like you get a pass for the whole season uh, or anything like that because they do have a rifle season and I believe they have like an early muzzleloader season. Mm-hmm. Um, so we wanted to go out there and bow hunt. So that's what our tag's for. Archery only. That stings a little bit, man. But I, I mean, I guess you're, you're getting what you pay for in this case. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're wanting, we're wanting a chance to go out and chase some big white tails. So that's what, uh, that's what we were willing to pay. So at, at no point in this time, uh, so did you have no backup plan at this point? You know, if you, you put in for a draw, the draw obviously meaning that there was a chance you didn't get in. Were, what was your, the backup plan if there was one? Um, the backup plan for me this season is I also have some connections in Illinois. And we actually swapped a turkey hunt with them like three years ago. And we haven't cashed in on that deer hunt yet. So my backup plan was going to be to apply for Illinois, which was later uh, than Kansas. So I knew I had a little buffer uh, there, which was like a two-month window. So that was my backup plan. And then I there's also states like Missouri and Ohio that are over-the-counter that you can get tags for. And I was planning on maybe doing a public land hunt in those areas if all else fell through. Right. Well, I think I think that is something that people need to be conscious of when they're doing this is is to have that backup plan because, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here thinking, man, so you didn't have to buy your tag before you were drawn. You only had to buy it once you were drawn, correct? No, you. What happens is you buy the you buy the tag, and then if you don't get drawn, you get your money back. Okay, so you're so not out the front, money. No, no, you're not out the money. They give you the money back, um, but you pay up front, and then if you get drawn. Uh, obviously, you've paid for your tag already. So, well, that works out well. Yeah, yeah, that's not too bad. So, so shifting gears here, you, we've we've discussed why, uh, what your access is. Obviously, it's it's private land. Um, are you sharing this? Actually, are you sharing this access, uh, this private land, with other deer hunters, like the owner himself, or? Um, as far as I know, we are not. Um, the actual owner, he's a farmer. Um, and he is a bird hunter. He'd rather go shoot pheasant. So he, as far as I know, he doesn't deer hunt the land and hasn't in a long time. And no one else does. Uh, as we, and it's on both properties. So I'm hoping, as long, like I say, if there's no one else has been hunting that property, um, it ought to be a prime location. <laughs> and yeah. this is an older gentleman. And he's he's come to Florida and he's seen our deer. And he's, he's told my buddy who is the contact, he's like, oh yeah, you'll be really happy. (laughs) So with the quality of deer. So 
I don't think he's trying to pull our leg or anything. He's letting us hunt his property for free. So yeah. um, he's not he's not getting anything by you coming out there and being unsuccessful. So no, no. I, I mean, he's just a nice guy and was will and was willing to let us come hunt. So you can't which is great. That. No, no, definitely can't. I'm I'm working on a similar thing in Missouri right now that. Uh, there's a 200 acre farm up there. My buddy is, uh, has access to, and, uh, it's just a matter of timing between him getting out of school and, and myself getting out of graduate school, uh, kind of timing it up. So I, I may have to start, uh, I don't know why I thought about this four or five years ago. I don't know why I have not been applying for Iowa. Like that's the biggest mistake that I have made in my hunting career. Right. Well, I mean, there's still time, but like I said, it gives you chances to hunt other places as well. When you're not getting that, that's the best part about it is what I look at. I'm like, well, hey, and you can keep buying preference preference points. Doesn't mean you have to go hunt that year. Like that's the best part about buying the preference points. I mean, you can get seven. There's guys that try to draw when they got seven or eight points just to guarantee right. they're going to get drawn that year. Well, do you get your preference points back if you if you throw them into the pot and don't get drawn? Yes. Yeah, you get to keep your preference points. They just give you another one. <laughs> so it's a but. It's like me. I knew I wasn't going this year. I knew I was only going to have two points. And so I just buy the preference point and I'm done with it. I don't have to worry about it because I, I wouldn't want that. I wasn't planning on going. And then next thing you know, boom, I get drawn. <laughs> so because it's me and another another friend of mine. And they've got some family property up there. So it's just one of them deals where we want to get drawn together. Don't want to be like we both apply and only one of us gets it. That I mean, that's not what we're looking for. So we're definitely looking to keep getting those preference points until it's like, okay, both of us can get it. So those are all things, like I said, these are all things that you got to, it's not just a, Hey, I want to go hunt Iowa or Kansas. I mean, there's actually stuff that you have to look into. The best thing to do is just go to their, uh, like state wildlife page and see what the rules and regs are and when you have to apply and things like that. Or, Talk to, like I say, listen to podcasts or talk to some more experienced hunters who you've known been out of state and they can uh, give you a little insight to all these things. Well, and, and here's a free tip that I've learned uh, for a lot of folks. There's a lot of forums out there. And if you go out there and just say, hey, I'm going to Iowa, where can I hunt? That is not going to get you a very favorable response. No. But if you if you take just a few minutes time and you Google, or not Google, but search inside. I love how Google's become synonymous with <laughs> searching. Um, if if you take a little bit of time and you do a search for, let's say, public land hunting in Iowa, right? Yep. You can find the people who are contributing to that discussion on a routine basis. Send them a direct message and say, hey, I'm not looking for places. I'm not looking for, for, for direct information. I just need to know what information can I use, can you give me to help shorten this learning curve? And I'd be willing to bet you cold, hard cash that those people will volunteer a pile of information to you. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I've, I've never hunted Kansas before and I'm on Instagram and I've seen these guys that have, I know that have hunted Kansas before. And I say, hey, man, I direct messaged like three or four different guys like right after I found out that we were going. Right. I said, hey, I'm just an old Florida boy. I don't have any experience in Kansas. Uh, I know you guys have hunted there. We've got some private land to hunt. Uh, any tips uh, would be greatly appreciated. 
and all four of them responded back to me. They all gave me a good idea of when to come out there, things that work, things that probably won't work, like types of clothes I may need to wear. I mean, it was just a great resource. And like I said, all four of those guys wrote me back. It wasn't like they all said, hey, good luck, dude, but I'm not giving you any info. I mean, the hunting community is a good community. And like you say, if you put a little effort in, then you'll, you'll, get, you'll get something good in return. Absolutely. Well, so that's that's a good segue. You touched on something that I want to touch on, and I think uh, you know the majority of our listeners still, although that's changing, we've now got uh, 33 states that are listening to us, and thank you to everybody who uh, is listening to us from those states. It blows me away that we've got as many followers from other states, but uh, you know, down south we got a lot of one thing. Well, we got a lot of a lot of things, but one in particular, and that is pine rows to hunt. The other probably would be temperature. So can you kind of address from your personal experience what you're doing to prepare for a different environment in Kansas, uh, pretty much across the board, but starting with uh, maybe your tree stand prep and and what kind of system you're working for and then maybe move into clothing? Okay. Well, that's that's a good point. I mean, like I say, there's not a lot of trees out in Kansas from what I hear. And they're not straight pine trees. <laughs> uh, from what I hear, every tree out there is crooked. <laughs> so um, I'm a Florida boy. So what do we use down in Florida majority of the time in pine trees? Climbers. So I heard leave the climbers at home. <laughs> so climbers not going to work. Um, I was told that lock-ons work pretty decent out there. Um, so I've changed my system up. I went out and I bought a – actually went out and bought a lone wolf tree stand. Um, this year, because I'd been wanting to kind of um, add to the old repertoire, the hunting repertoire. Anyways, because there's a lot of times where I'd even go out in Florida, try to get up a tree on a climber and just it not not be big enough or uh, it's too big or just so many limbs that you have to get around that you spend an extra 20 minutes limbing up and making a bunch of noise and like say sweating. <laughs> so <laughs> that just adds um, to everything. So I went out, I bought a, I got a lone wolf and some climbing sticks. And my goal this year in Florida, everything I'm doing in Florida this year is to prep for my Kansas hunt. So when I'm going in, I plan on packing in uh, a majority of my hunts with my lone wolf setup, which is a hang on. And I plan on going in and setting up just over and over and over again, just to get that repetition, get a system down. So when I get to Kansas, I can get out there and it'll just be like an old hat and I'll have like minimum intrusion when I'm there. I'm not making a bunch of noise. I'm not spending an hour trying to get up in this lock on. Um, So that was one of my goals, obviously, is I'm this year I'm taking everything that I have and I'm prepping to make this try to make this a successful hunt in Kansas. So everything like I said, everything I'm doing here in Florida, that's that's what I'm going to be doing. So I know it's a bow hunt, so I, I plan on just bow hunting <laughs> up right on until um, I go to Kansas. So that's one of the things that I had to look into. Like I said, the other things are clothing. I mean, from what I hear, Kansas can be like last year. Apparently, it was like 70 degrees during the rut. So I could take my Florida attire out to Kansas, and it wouldn't matter. But like I said, I've also been in weather where it was – the high was 30s for the day and windy you're talking 20 30 miles per hour winds and apparently in kansas that's normal (laughs) so i'm having to plan for that i was told that i needed to get some good base layers 
um, for out in Kansas. Um, I'm told, been told that merino wool is a good base layer um, to wear. Uh, I've also been told that when it's super windy out that you definitely want to have some type of wind protection because it's when it gets that windy, nothing hears you drawn back or anything like that anyways. So it's just better to be comfortable in the stand than to be miserable. <laughs> um, so like I said, I talked to, and I'll, I've talked to some of the guys that I know that have gone out to Kansas as well. And they've been willing to give me like a bunch of tips. And like I said, they said, Hey, you can hunt it with a hang on, or you can take, you can take a ground blind out there, but it may take them some getting used to that ground blind because it hadn't been there. So they were even talking about just setting up natural ground blinds. Um, if I didn't have an area to set up in a hang on with just some like cedar or whatever brush there is, um, because they've had good luck with that. Um, I've also heard that rattling and calling it works. is like phenomenal out there. Like they respond like on a whole other level, apparently out in Kansas to rattling. Um, and grunting, snort wheezes. Like you say, in Florida, rattling isn't really um, something you do very much, but there are deer that respond to grunt calls and things like that. But I've heard, hey, if you see a buck 200 yards away, start rattling. <laughs> and a lot of times they come in. So I was like, whoa, I'm not used to that. <laughs> so I'm going to have to go out and find out what's the best system to use for rattling antlers. <laughs> So, because like I said, in Florida, it's not like I have a set of big rattling antlers <laughs> hanging around. So that's one of the purchases I'm going to have to make is one of those systems or maybe, who knows, maybe I'll be able to pick up some antlers from somebody. Um, so that that's one thing uh, that, that I didn't necessarily know. Um, so there's, there's a bunch of things that, like I said, I got info from internet talking to people. Um, like I say, the internet's probably your best resource. I mean, you can almost find anything on there. Um, but it is also good to actually talk to people who have been there and done that kind of thing. Absolutely. Uh, base, so they can give you info. Because um, like I said, I, if I was just going to go out there, I'd be like, oh, I'm going out there. And I, I mean, yeah, maybe 30 degrees. But I mean, am I going to think the wind might be blowing 40 miles per hour that day? <laughs> or that my climber's not going to work out there without looking anything up. Cause that'd be, that'd be one of the things I would bring out there if I hadn't asked questions. Um, and from going out to Illinois, Illinois helped me a little bit as well. Just kind of, cause they don't really use climbers up there either. It's a lot of lock ons and hang ons and ground blinds. Really? Out well, yep. Yeah. They, well, uh, they don't they, have a whole lot of straight trees. I don't think, right? What's that? They don't have a whole lot of straight trees. Yeah, yeah, they don't have a whole lot of straight trees. A lot of their trees are too big sometimes for um, climbers. And like I say, you're you're dealing with going up a bunch of limbs and things that you gotta cut out to be able to get up twenty feet up in one of those trees. So, but yeah, that that's some of the things that I've thought of. And like I said, I've gotten a lot of that information from asking people and being on the internet. This this is private land. Are y'all are y'all gonna make a trip out there to do any scouting uh, ahead of time? Hang any cameras? What are you doing uh, reconnaissance wise? Well, uh, I mean, unfortunately, this year we're not gonna be able to get out there. I mean, would I've liked to have been able to go out there, but just the way our schedules have run, we're just not gonna be able to get out there. Um, as far as cameras, I'm not super worried about 
the camera deal. I mean, it's just going to, what's there is going to be there. Um, so I'm not, I'm not worried about sending any cameras out and it's an older gentleman. I, I'm not, I don't know that he would know how to run the trail cameras. He might. Um, so that, that was one of the things that, uh, I did consider doing just to maybe try to get some type of Intel. But then like say you're, you're getting this farmer to do a lot of stuff. I mean, at that point you're like, well, I don't want to make this guy mad. I've got him putting up trail cameras. I've got him putting out mineral sites or bait or whatever. <laughs> um, so I, and I don't know this guy yet. So I'm like, well, I'm thinking maybe if we go up there this first year, this may be the scouting trip as the actual hunting. Cause if we get a good relationship with this gentleman, he may let us come back year after year. I mean, you never know. Um, obviously that would be great, <laughs> but if he doesn't, it's still going to be a fun time. Uh, either way, I'm, I'm still looking forward to it. The main scouting that we'll be doing is like you say, Google earth, looking at maps, um, on the computer, maybe trying to see where the closest fields are, where the does are probably feeding or pinch points. Um, during the rut, I heard are just great places to set up to uh, ambush deer. So that's really the only scouting we'll be able to do this year is while, actually while we're hunting or on maps through Google Earth. Well, I mean, and there's nothing wrong with that, getting out there and, and putting your boots on the ground and, uh, you know, getting out there – Here's the deal. Trail camera ta- takes a photo in a certain direction if it's tripped a certain way. A pair of binoculars in, in the hands of somebody who knows what they're doing with them, man, you, you can sit up on an observation stand and, and survey an area better that way than you, you can, you know, with, with trail cameras. They do a great job, but getting out there and firsthand experience is going to be pretty invaluable. So, Right, and that's going to be my first sit. I'm going to set up in an observation area right. where I can I hopefully see – maybe what the deer are doing as opposed to just going in <laughs> right for the kill <laughs> intrusion in an area i've never been <laughs> um, i mean i could be i could be walking through bedding area i mean it's totally different in florida so i mean I, yeah. who knows i could i could totally blow the area up without even knowing it um well, so my how, long, how long are you going to be there um we are hoping to hunt for seven days oh well that's plenty of time yeah 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 yeah, exactly. So we're not. I'm not too worried about. It. Like I said, that that will be part of the scouting. Is I like to hunt from the outside in, anyways. So my first hunt will be outside, just trying to see maybe what the deer are doing, and maybe and be set up an area where I may have some success. But I'm not trying to go up in there and blow everything out of there, especially on the first hunt, without knowing much about the property. So and it could be one of those. Like I say, trail cams do give you some info, like. Hey, I'm oh, seeing yeah. deer at midnight. Well, maybe they're just passing through that property. Or I'm seeing deer at first light, last light. I mean, those are all good, good things that the trail cam could tell you. But we're not going to have that this year. So it's just going to be um, our own observations uh, early on in the hunt. And it's the rut. I mean, we're going up there. That's the other thing is planning on when you're going to go out there. So we figured our best success would be to go out there sometime around the rut. Usually the rut happens at the same time. Everyone knows the rut happens at the same time pretty much every year uh, to that state. So barring weather, all that stuff, it's still happening. It just may be happening at night. You may not be seeing a lot of activity because it could be going on at night. I mean, you just don't know. So our plan is to, to give us the best odds is we're going during the rut. So from what I hear during the rut, anything can happen. So we're probably going to be doing – all day sits 
just because we've only got a week there. And from what I've heard is we need to be sitting all day because there's a lot of bucks that get up mid morning, cruise midday, looking for, maybe they left a hot dough. They're looking for their next hot dough. So there are, I figure our best chances are to sit all day. That way we're minimal intrusion in, we're not coming out and then trying to go back in making multiple moves in there a day. Cause it's not a huge piece of property. One of the properties is around 80 acres. And I believe the other one's around 120, 130 acres. So they're not like massive chunks of property that just us two are going to hunt. And we're not going to have any intrusion. So we're going to try to make as little impact on that property as we can, because there won't be any on there prior to that. So that's my thoughts is to have those all day sits. And like I said, I've been told that's the time of year you want to sit all day. I, I mean, that's what, that's the time, that's the time of year I try and sit all day here. Maybe, yeah, yeah, maybe a I touch have. later, but not, but not, not by much. Right. See where I'm at here in Florida, um, your all day sits are around the end of October. Um, that's when the most of the deer movement's going on. And that's when you see the most rutting activity is then. And that's usually when I have my, <laughs> longer sits <laughs> sometimes i don't make it all day because hopefully i have a deer <laughs> um but yeah that's it. in kansas like i said you get you gotta you gotta consider hey you, you get one buck as well so it's not like you have a tag to kill multiple deer uh, or things like that so like in florida you know, i mean the tags are <laughs> crazy but um in some states you get two tags from what I hear, like Oklahoma or Missouri, states like that, you get more tags. So you may yep. get more bang for your buck. No pun intended. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, let me ask you this, and this is just a thought that just came to me. Are you going to leave some stand, leave some trail cameras to soak through the through the winter time and and go check them that summer? I mean, it seems like there's there's ample uh, testimonies out there saying that you know, letting those cameras sit from November to January, February will give you some of the best information. Is that something that y'all are considering doing being that the, the primary landowner doesn't deer hunt? I mean, yes. When I, when I go up there, I, I plan on taking a couple of trail cameras, um, even for real time information, uh, while we're up there. Um, so yeah, I plan on taking a couple of trail cams. And like I said, if we get, to the point where the, I mean, he invites us back and it's like, Hey, you guys, if you want to come back next year, then I'm like, Hey man, I'm going to leave these cameras out here. <laughs> um, so, and hopefully I'll be able to let them sit and be like, Oh man, I had no idea <laughs> there was this many deer here or yeah. ever, or there was a 200. God, I shouldn't, yeah, that past I shouldn't have shot that 180. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I shouldn't have shot the 180 inch. I, the 200 incher was right there. What was I thinking? And another thing in Kansas is you can bait. Baiting is legal in Kansas. So no way. Yeah, it is. I mean, <laughs> but it's like Florida. It's legal. I've heard people from one of the gentlemen told me is like, hey, when you get there, put a camera out and put a pile of corn out just to get pictures, just to see what's going on when they're moving um, and stuff like that. Because he said that could just be some valuable intel um, that you could get. So that's what I plan on doing. I plan on getting some corn or whatever, and I'm going to put a camera out and hopefully see what is on the property. So that's, that's my goal with the cams. And like I said, I, I hope I can leave them. <laughs> that, that's the end goal is to be able to leave those cameras and let them soak for a year <laughs> for when yeah. I come back yeah. um, the next year or a, the year after that. I mean, 
So cameras are good for real time, but they also tell a story later on um, from year to year. So apparently, like say, certain deer move in at certain times of the year. That deer may only come on that property two weeks out of the year. And it's he's looking for does because he knows in the past that there's been does there to breed that time of year. And he could be living two miles away. That That's what the the hope is, is that we'll take those cameras up there. We'll get some real-time info, hopefully be able to use that, and hopefully be able to leave them. That's my goal. I plan on leaving them there. My final question for you is this, and and it's and it's a it's a tough one. What right. class deer are you going to shoot when you're in Kansas? What's your prediction right now? My prediction right now. <laughs> Stone cold lock prediction right here. Stone cold. Well, obviously, I would like to kill a Boone and Crockett, like you said earlier, but um, I, I don't know that there's a Boone and Crockett around every corner in Kansas. <laughs> um we sure are my, what i want to kill i would like to kill a 150 inch 10 point typical, i mean typical uh typical just a, just a beautiful hunter uh, uh that way i mean like i say i i'll be happy with any deer i kill there if it's pope and young and it comes by me there's a good chance i'm probably not gonna let it slide with it being the first trip out there not knowing what's on the property because i've heard other people talk about going to Kansas, and like I said, they they would pass on the 130, 140 class thinking that there was a 200-incher behind every tree out there, and they went out there several years in a row and just never killed anything until they're like, whoa, this is the class of deer that I'm hunting. There's not a 200-incher on this property or 180, so I won't know that. <laughs> so my goal would be if it's, a, if it's a good deer and I think it's mature, then there's a good chance – I'm going to take it. There you go. You heard it now. He's going to shoot a 150-inch deer this year up in Kansas. And, yes. Uh, and approximately, let's see, it is the end of July right now, so August, September, October. In about three and a half months, we're going to be recording a new podcast where he uh, elaborates on, on the strategies that he put into place up there and, and how he did it. And uh, uh, we'll start a GoFundMe for his full-body mount. <laughs> yeah because it's gonna it's gonna be a piebald as well <laughs> <laughs> there you go a piebald a piebald typical mainframe 10 point 150 class deer so but i mean my ultimate to go out there is to just go out there and enjoy it man it, it'll be something new i mean and it's kansas i mean the chances of me killing 150 inch deer in florida is very 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 small but yep. i got a lot better chance in kansas and I mean, even I've, the body sizes are bigger up there. It's it's gonna be it's just gonna be an adjustment for me because I've heard of people killing three hundred pound Kansas deer. Um, I have a buddy that killed a hundred and sixty inch Kansas buck that was a ten point uh, out in western Kansas, and it was three hundred pounds. So it's it's definitely gonna be an adjustment, and I'm I'm going to have fun, going to learn, and hey, if I don't kill anything, I'm I'm still gonna be happy because I got to go out there and I got to experience the outdoors. And if anything, it'll make me a better hunter. So that's that's my real goal out there. There you go. I, I I'm so excited, dude. I'm living vicariously through you. This will probably be I might make it out west this fall, but this might be my last fall that I, or that I don't end up making a a serious trip out there. So I. I'll be uh, blowing your phone up uh, more so than usual uh, when you're out there in Kansas, and uh, I can't. Oh wait yeah, to see I, you. I expect to be getting a lot of text messages. All my <laughs> Florida hunters, 
<laughs> that week saying, Hey man, what you seeing? Did you kill anything? Send me a pic. <laughs> I can, I, exactly. I mean, I can just see it now. <laughs> so, Hey, I'm pretty lucky, but who knows, man? Like I say, anything can happen. I shoot. I hope my buddy kills something. <laughs> so he, he's the reason we're going out there. So I sure hope he kills something out there. <laughs> and like I said, it'll be good. Like I said, that's the other thing is when you're going out there, I'm going out there with a friend. So we'll be able to help scout for each other. I mean, if I kill a deer on the first day, and I'm seeing deer all over the place and he's not seeing anything and then boom I'm like hey man you need to come over here or we'll be able to scout and help each other out. right <laughs> so that that's another good thing is I'm going out there with a fellow hunter and that that'll help as well well cool man well listen I appreciate you coming on here and and uh, starting this series off and uh, I can't wait I, I'm 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 rooting for you. I think everybody is. And uh, don't let us down. 150 class piebald. 150 class, 10-point piebald. <laughs> coming up. <laughs> All right. Well, hang on for a second. I'm going to wrap this up. Guys, this was a little bit of a shorter podcast. I think it was a little more lighthearted of a podcast than, some of, than the one I've most recently put out. And uh, I hope you enjoy it. And I hope you're as excited to follow this story along. Um, I'm thinking about doing a couple of these just to kind of – uh, do some before and afters. That way we can share uh, some of the wisdom that everybody who's listening and contributing to this podcast uh, has to, to bring to the table, and, and we can we can all benefit from that. I mean, this is this is a very large community, but it can be very small if we all come together and uh, help each other out and uh, push each other in the right direction. So, y'all y'all get out there and get ready for deer season, and, and uh, I hope you're as jacked as I am. And until a later point, shoot straight and be good.